Okay. When um, the Old Testament, when God would speak to the prophets and have a um, hard message for the people of Israel, he would say, gird up your loins. So I want you to gird up your loins this morning. Because, um, and, and listen, hang on to your seat. Because I'm going to challenge you at the end, because we are the remnant of Jesus Christ. And we can make a difference in this country. So, the title of the message is, When It's Over for a Nation. And uh, I'm going to have you open up with me to Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. It's the parable of the vineyard. So stand with me for the reading of the word. So, here the word of the Lord says, Then he began to speak to them in parables, A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant and uh, at him, and they, through stones, wounded him uh, in the head and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them at last, saying, uh, they uh, will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, this is the heir, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read the scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Father, open up our hearts and minds to your word, Lord God. And Father God, Lord, truly give us a discerning heart to be able, Lord, to discern these times through your word. That, Lord God, we'd be useful to you. If it's just being on our knees praying, Lord God, if it's speaking out against, Lord God, the darkness... If it's just being a light, Lord God, in this time of darkness in this country, I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each and every heart here today, have a word for them, and be blessed amongst us, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. So, who's the man who planted the vineyard? God, right? And who is the vineyard? The vineyard is Israel. Yes, the vineyard is Israel. Um, the vine dressers are the leaders of Israel. The kings, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the Herods. So he sends his servants to them. Who are the servants that he sent to them? Prophets, right? They beat some, they killed some, uh, they persecuted others. And you look at the prophets Jeremiah, Elijah, Elisha. Then he sends his son. Who's his son? Obviously Jesus. And they killed him. 
So they, they rejected Jesus, therefore the owner of the vineyard, God, says, I am going to destroy the vineyard. So this is spoken at about 32. Jesus is right towards, towards the end of his ministry, towards the, uh, him being crucified and then being raised from the dead. He speaks this, and um, he says that God is going to destroy Israel. That's why they became so angry. They wanted to arrest him. They wanted to uh, kill him. He's speaking out you know, against them. If you, look, if you look at verse 10, just the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and that is a, a quote from Isaiah. But what it's saying is Jesus is essentially, he is the stone that was rejected, but he becomes the chief cornerstone of what? Of the church. He's our foundation stone. And God here says, I'm going to take what was Israel's and I'm going to give it to others. Who did he give it to? Gentiles. To the Gentiles. <laughs> we have Jewish people here with us because salvation is still for the Jews but it came to the Gentiles me, you, most of us so what happens here God, when, he, when God prophesies something when he makes a prediction it comes true 70 AD actually about 68 AD there's a rebellion in Israel uh, the Romans okay, Titus and the Roman legions circle Jerusalem and uh, in 70 AD they totally destroy it Jesus said, not one stone would be left upon another. I've been there seven times. I've walked amongst the stones. You don't see any stones to the original temple anywhere. They're just piles of stone. I mean, we've walked amongst them. Some of you were with me there a few years ago. Hopefully we may go. We may go in the spring. But uh, he leveled. The Roman legions leveled. In fact, not one stone on another because he, essentially, Titus did not want, General Titus did not want the temple burned because it was covered with gold, but they set it on fire. And when the gold melted, it basically, it slid uh, between the the stones. And therefore, he took every stone apart to basically excavate the gold. So not one stone was left upon another. The temple is absolutely destroyed. About 1.1 million Jews are killed, about 90,000 of them are taken into slavery, and the rest are dispersed into the world, which has been the case until 1948, when Israel was regathered as a nation. So, again, they came to it, and these are God's people, his chosen people. He did this twice. In 586, when the Babylonians invaded because of the Jewish people's rebellion, and he does it here in 70 AD. So, the question I want to put to you, when... It's over, right? When it's over for a nation. Because it seems like there comes a time. In Second Chronicles 7.13, Solomon's prayer, when God called Solomon and he became uh, king of Israel, God says, When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, God will bring judgment on an ungodly nation. You look at our country at this time, it's like one nation under judgment. You say, they're going, well, where's the judgment? Listen, if you're not seeing it, then I guess you're like those people. And by the way, they're, they're all around us, and they're in the church. God gives warnings. Look at our country at this, at this juncture in time. You got wildfires. Millions of acres have been destroyed. Billions of dollars. And it's interesting, if you look at the country, the wildfires for the most part are on the West Coast. 
Floods. Devouring. Okay. I mean, we see floods, you know, in Oklahoma. Floods, especially that, that Mississippi Valley. Just major floods. And if you look, for the most part, the flooding has occurred on the East Coast. We've had major rain. In fact, I'll tell you, I, I hadn't had to fill up my pool for two years while in years past, I have to put water in the pool every couple of weeks to keep it at a, at, at a, you know, a level. We are, see, we are seeing massive drought on the West Coast, which is affecting your food prices. And so, you know, just one of the reasons, too, and there are a number of them, while we're paying a whole lot for beef and chicken is because the grains have been destroyed. So the soybeans, the wheat... But you look at, at, at drought, and you, again, you see it on, you know, for the most part, hitting the Midwest and the West. And it's been going on for a number of years, but kind of progressively intensifying. And this is a map that just shows, again, the East Coast being hit with rain and the West Coast being in a place of, of drought. We've seen, we've seen unprecedented tornadoes. I mean, massive, uh, Category 5, Category 4 tornadoes hitting. In fact, I, I, look, I grew up in New Jersey. I never saw a tornado. We had a tornado blow through here last year and take out a bunch of homes down in central Jersey. Tornadoes up in Connecticut. There was a tornado in Brooklyn. Could you believe that, a tornado in Brooklyn? Tornadoes in Brooklyn? It, it picked up the stands, those aluminum stands of a stadium, and dropped it on a bunch of cars. There was a, a batch of tornadoes that came through. This was a few months ago. You had 38 major tornadoes that just ripped through. It was mostly Kentucky and Arkansas. It actually southern Ohio as well. And uh, again, that unpre unprecedented. So people will say, well, global warming or God's warning? We've seen pestilence like never before. COVID, we've been affected by it. We've lost loved ones. But you look at, at, at the U.S. Right, statistics, we have led the world in COVID deaths. If our statistics are true, of course, you question them. And I know there was a guy in Arizona, he, um, basically somebody shot him. He was robbing a store, and he had COVID, and they said it was COVID-related. Another guy was on a motorcycle, he had COVID, he got killed in a motorcycle accident, they said it was COVID-related. So I don't know how, how accurate these statistics, you don't believe anything that, that you know, we're told. But right now they say that a million people have died of COVID in the United States. You know what the next nation is? Brazil. 600,000. And you would think with, with, with all of our right, medical and technological advancements, with the masking, with everything else that we've been doing, you would think that we wouldn't be leading the world in COVID deaths. You look at, at the situation of lawlessness in our country. There are cities where you could go into a store and steal, as long as you steal less than $900 worth of product, you are not going to be hit with a felony. In fact, you're pretty much going to be released after just a day or two. And uh, so I mean, you can go shopping at, at Lehman Marcus. As long as you keep it below $900, you have a nice shopping spree. I mean, it's just total lawlessness. Riots. And here we go again, right? Here we go again now since the R.V. Wade decision. You had 470 riots in 2020 during the summer of love. 
Let me just let me say this to you, just give you you have protests, and, and true protesters. So you had BLM protesters, you had people, you know, protesting against the, you know, what had happened. And um, in the midst of the protesters, you have rioters. Antifa, other, other militant people. Same thing that happened on January 6th at the Capitol. You had protesters, and then you had these people who were mixed amongst the protesters, and basically they're stealth, right? They're, they're, they're flying under the radar. And they wait for the opportunity, just for the right time, when they can throw a Molotov cocktail at the police or at a building where they can kill someone, beat someone. So you, you have the, you know what it's like? The protest is the ocean, and the rioters are the sharks. And by the way, any, anybody who, who has ever studied civil unrest, and you go back and you can look, you can study Lenin, you can study what he did with, with, you know, within Russia. This is how they do it. They, you, you create protests, people protesting. And the rioters just kind of fit in. And then when the timing's right, they unleash havoc and hell on people. And that's what you saw during the, uh, again, the summer of love, 470 riots People killed. And you know what's the sad thing? Most of the people who were killed were minority people. Most of the buildings that were burned down were owned by minorities. Most of the stores and the businesses were minority-owned. A man that I know in New York City, his, actually his daughter through the years had attended my seminars, and he called me crying one day, and what happened was he had a, he had a nice little store in the Bronx. They burned it down. He had all his money and no insurance in that store. He lost everything. He's an African-American guy. You look at, at, at violence. We become an, a, a nation of violence. Just people attacking the elderly, attacking women, right? Big thing in, in New York City, been, been attacking Asian women. And look at these kids. Just stop and, and look at the faces. These are kids that have been killed in Chicago in just the last year. If you've ever um, seen Giano, he's a reporter. This kid's a great kid. His brother was killed last week in Chicago. He, his reporting is always about going into the inner cities and trying to help the inner cities. He's always there trying to, you know, just, just reporting, trying to bring some type of resolution to the violence that's going on in the inner cities. And if you've seen him on TV, you see how broken this guy is. We, we look at, again, uh, the supply chain. Anybody who owns a business, you know what's happening here. Right? It's really hard to get what you need. And you look at businesses that have been affected, manufacturing, construction, retail trade. I have, I have a, a guy that I, that I, is a good friend of mine, who owns an auto, it's like an auto mall in Indianapolis. He's got cars that are going to be waiting a year before he can get the parts to be able to fix them and get them back to the people. Inflation. Have anybody know what inflation is? And they say it's 8.6%. Uh, I want to tell you something. It's more like 15%. Gasoline is up 100%, folks. It was $2.50. It's, it's up to, to $5.
And I know, you know, which is President Biden comes out and he's saying, well, it's, it's Russia. I just want you to look, just please look at this chart. And what you see is this is where, it's like inflation, right, when he took office, I mean, it was like 1%. That's unheard of. And as soon as he took office, right, here, Biden takes office, the Democratic stimulus passed 8.5%. It was 8.5% when the Russian invasion happened. In the scriptures, evil people, when Israel turned against God, God gave them fools as leaders. I want you to sit here. I am not. I am not a Republican. And people come. You're a Republican. No, I'm not a Republican. I'm not an Independent either, nor a Democrat. I'm a monarchist. I am, a, I am a monarchist. What does that mean? I believe Jesus is coming back to establish his monarchy. <laughs> There's not going to be any Democrats in the monarchy. There are not going to be any Republicans. There's not going to be any independents, communists, socialists, liberals, or anything else. Jesus is going to establish his monarchy. I'm a monarchist. I try to vote according to what the Word of God has taught me, whether that is Republican or, or Democrat. But what, what we have right now I'll tell you something. I, I, look at, I look at the president and his cabinet. I think they are the, the biggest band of incompetence that this country has seen in its history. They're just destroying the country. Look at, look at the fentanyl right now. You've had 100,000 deaths due to fentanyl in the last year. A hundred thousand. And by the way, let me say this to you. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta grasp onto this with fentanyl. They're taking it and they're putting it in to drugs that kids use, not knowing that fentanyl is in it, and it's killing them. And that's the the, the fentanyl fuser just coming over the border in mass. A hundred thousand. We only lost fifty-eight thousand people in Vietnam. We lost another fifty-six thousand in Korea. Talking about a hundred thousand, most of them kids. And I've done the funerals. I've done the drug overdose. I did four drug overdose funerals in one summer. And it ain't good. It ain't good. When you look at a country that is just, again, in, 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 in chaos, you hear stories and people set talking about civil war in the United States. Politicians talking about civil war. This is, this is what our country looks like if you divide it conservative and liberal. That's, that's by county. The red and the blues. The, the coasts are blue and most of the middle part of the country is red. Conservative people, uh, liberal people, socialists, uh, communists. I said I think that you could have a civil war in America right now. And then you look at the R.V. Wade decision. Let me tell you what. Again, it's filled with misinformation. Abortion ain't done, folks. All they've done is just given it back to the states, which is what the Constitution, if you've ever read it, basically dictates, that the states make these laws. So you're going to have abortion, abortion in mass, probably more abortions in New Jersey and New York than, you, than you've had in years because people are going to be coming from other states to get abortions where they're prohibiting abortion. But let me just tell you, R.V. Wade, what happened with this decision, 
I think it just exposed how wicked and evil people are who will protest, who will scream, who will threaten violence, commit violence, set buildings on fire, all for the reason of them wanting to murder their babies. Think about it. Just think about it. How evil do you have to be to protest, to threaten violence, to commit violence, all for the right of murdering your babies? Abortion has become birth control, birth control in America. You see these things that have happened. We support pro-life ministries, crisis pregnancy centers. We have kids that have grown up in our church who have been given the opportunity to have a life because of that. And you look here, this, this, if abortion is not safe, you aren't either. We're, we're a nation at this time, Isaiah chapter 50, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Think about that. If you're pro-life, you're evil. Because you're taking away that woman's reproductive rights. What about the rights of the baby? <laughs> Is there anybody here today who wish they were never born? Is there anybody here today who wish you wish your mother aborted you when you're in the womb? Is there anybody here? Because I've asked that question and I've never seen anybody say, yeah, me. Never one. Never one. If you believe that marriage should be between a man and a woman, you're evil. You're evil. If you believe that there are only two genders, which is what science says and the Bible says, you're evil. If, if you believe of standing up for your rights and the belief that you have a right to say what the school is teaching your children, like this guy, he was taken away and he was arrested because he opposed CRT and this crazy genderless confusion that they're pouring out on the kids from kindergarten on. My, my daughter Chrissy was telling me she was from Asheville, North Carolina, a very liberal city. She was telling me about her, um, her husband's uh, her nephew who came home one day and he said, I don't think I'm a boy. I don't think I'm a girl. He said, I'm bi. This is a little kid. This is what they're teaching the kids. And then we wonder why these kids are growing up and overdosing on drugs or killing. And you look at the suicide rate amongst children. It's sky high compared to where it was just a few years ago. When you're creating this type of confusion, we wonder why this is happening. If you're opposed to globalism, if you believe in, in, in our country and in our constitution, but you're opposed to globalism, you're evil. One of um, the czars, Biden's czars, said this week, liberal globalism, if you stand against this, you're a racist. I don't know if you saw that. If you're, if you're patriotic and you love America, you love our country, you love its founding, you love its growth, you lo love how it has basically purified itself, getting rid of slavery, getting, getting rid of Jim Crow, and just continuing, continuing to purify itself, 
Not perfect, not perfect. You love the country and those men and women who sacrificed their lives in World War I and World War II to save the world from the Nazis and the communists? You're evil. If you believe in legal immigration and stand opposed to illegal immigration, you're evil. If you believe in the right to bear arms and protect your family from an intruder who has come in to kill you, then you're evil. I want to tell you something. I've been involved in martial arts since I was a kid. You know what I see? In trainings, in classes, I see people, especially women, women who, who basically, I think, were going through life thinking that this world is a playground. And then they got raped. Or they got beaten. Or they got violated. And now all of a sudden, the world ain't a playground anymore. And they in there training, learning how to protect themselves so that if some mutant comes up and tries to hurt them, they have what it takes to be able to take that person down and take that person out. But that's just something that, that, that I've seen. It's interesting. You don't have the right to protect yourself. Somebody comes in, right, they're victims. They don't have what you have. They start taking your stuff. Maybe they even take your life. But if you try to protect yourself, you can go to jail, especially here in New Jersey. We, we are a country that is in a national freefall, morally, politically, economically, religiously. Look at the church. You will never, you, you will not hear this message in most churches. You will not hear this message in most, you, not, you will not. You will not hear them on the, you know, the, the guys with the fancy hair that you watch on television who always smile and how everything is just hunky-dory and wonderful. You're not going to hear the truth. You're going to get your ears itched. But America, America is in a, a free fall. It's become a nation of anarchists, lawlessness, violence, murder, riots, confusion. And you look here and you say, wait, if you don't see it, you got your head in the sand. In, in Romans 1, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. The wrath of God. You know, Romans, Romans 1 says, there are people that come to a point where God just gives up on them. And it goes on, it goes on in verse 24, therefore God also gave them up. He gave up on them. This is Rome. Do you know Rome? Rome conquered the Greeks. In fact, in the first 100 years of Rome, there was no case of divorce. It was, it was, it was a, a, an empire of, of courage, of honor, an empire of, of character. But the Greek culture eventually conquered Rome. And when Paul is addressing this, He's addressing what's happening in Rome. And he says here, verse uh, 24, Therefore God gave the, uh, also gave them up to uncleanness and the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worship and serve the Creator rather than um, the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Do you know what? You don't have a choice to worship. I don't know if you understand this. No human being has a choice 
to worship. Every human being is a worshiper. The question is, what are you worshiping? See, they worship the creation instead of worshiping the creator. They worship nature. They worship themselves. They worship their political party. They worship the material that they have. But everyone is a worshiper. The question is, what will you worship? And here's a picture of a people who have stopped worshiping God, and they're worshiping themselves. They're worshiping the creation. In verse 26 and 27, For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even the women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise also men, leaving the natural use of women, burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which is, uh, was due. You look at that path. That's what your children are being taught in the public school system. They're being indoctrinated in this stuff at, at, at the most early age of innocency. And then in Romans chapter 1, 28 through 32, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. Three times God gave up on them to a debased mind. Now, I just want to say, there's a lot of times when people teach on Romans chapter 1, they talk about the homosexual issue. I just want you to see some of the things that happens when God gives up on a person. You look at a nation where people are just becoming more and more and more deprived. I'm amazed at, at how we have fallen so quickly in just the last few years. But watch, watch some of the things that are said here. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all righteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, wickedness covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They all are whisperers, backbiters, God-haters, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Think about that. People approving. They approve of evil. Stuff that used to make people blush. Stuff, stuff that used to make people like, geez, I, that, that, that's kind of horrible. Now people are standing there approving and clapping for this stuff. So, has God abandoned America? Or has America abandoned God? I, I believe, and as I have taught to you, I believe we are in the last days. The last hour. And if you're a student of Scripture, you have to ask yourself the question, is the United States mentioned in Bible prophecy? Because Russia's mentioned, China's mentioned, Turkey's mentioned, Israel's mentioned, Sudan, Somalia, Egypt, the Arab Emirates, Europe. But you can't find, you don't find America. And we're such a player right now, economically, politically, militarily in this world. Where's America? And there, there are different ideas, teachers, political people, economists, of what could happen to America that kind of takes us off the world scene. One is a, a, a U.S. economic collapse, which suddenly I think a lot of us have been kind of awakened to that possibility. U.S. debt... By the way, you can put up usdebtclock.org. It's more than uh, $30 trillion right now. 
I think it might be up around 31. But what happens when you can't pay your debts? Right? You, you, you can't pay your debts. They're not going to give you any more credit. You can't buy any more credit cards. What happens to that person? You go bankrupt. And there's a lot of people who think that America could be on the verge of bankruptcy. The American dollar is, is essentially the dollar that is pegged as the currency for the world. China and Russia and Europe would like nothing more to take that away. That caused a major economic collapse in the United States. Have you ever heard of an EMP? An EMP is an electromagnetic pulse bomb. And uh, if you look here, I'm scared the hell out of you right now. And if, if, by the way, Korea, Korea keeps threatening. China has them, Korea has them, Russia has them. We have them. I think the Brits and the French have them. Israel may have them. But North Korea has been threatening that they will drop or put an EMP in our atmosphere. It basically has exploded high in the atmosphere. If you look here, at 30 miles, this is the effect it would have on the United States. So all the Midwest would basically go dark, and if it was 120 miles, you can see, and of course, at one at 300 miles would basically cause the entire country to go dark. Well, you want to move up there into that corner of Maine. <laughs> and this is discussed in Congress. You can see if you... Go on, um, there's an E-SPAN, you can, you know, you can, C-SPAN, you can uh, pick up on some of these things, and they bring, they bring the experts on, the experts from the Heritage Foundation discussing this stuff. But what, what is an EMP? This, this is the United States on any given night. This is the United States after an EMP. No electricity. Your cars don't work. Your cell phones don't work. Your computers don't work. There's no running water. The entire system. No electricity. That's what it would look like. And this is stuff that they're talking about. Worst scenario, nuclear attack. You hear nukes, right? Putin threatening nuclear war. Somebody said to me, well, we would nuke the heck out of Russia. Let me tell you something. You get into a nuclear exchange with the Russians, this is what America will look like. People say, well, you know what? You got some places out and, you know, you got some places there and, in Idaho and Nevada, you know what, the radiation, this country would be radiated from, from one coast to another. There ain't going to be no light. But I'll tell you something, you want the nuke to hit you right on top of the head. Because if you know what radiation poisoning is like, I'm going to share a verse with you that's really scary. Ezekiel 39, verse 6. It talks about in the future a war being between Russia and Israel. And it says this, And I will send fire on Magog and on those who live in security in the coastlands, Magog being Russia, and the coastlands, then they shall know that I am the Lord. Now, if you know the geography, you really have a landlock between Europe, Africa, and Asia. The coastlands would be Australia, South America, North America, Great Britain. And is talking about this war being, again, scholars for, for, for years have said this is something that will happen either right at the beginning of the tribulation or before the tribulation. An, another scenario is that America is the land of Babylon. That's spoken of throughout Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Revelation chapter 18. 
Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 3. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become dwelling place for demons, a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury, and Babylon in the end times is destroyed. Some people say that's America. Now I'm going to give you one optimistic potential thing that could happen, and that is that the rapture happens. I say there are about 70 million believers, true believers, in the United States. And were the rapture to happen, and I believe children are going too, you would have such chaos in the United States that it would no longer be a big player. Greg Laurie, you know who Greg Laurie the preacher, and Greg Laurie solid preacher, Greg Laurie believes that there could be a revival that eventually leads to the rapture and the church is taken out before, and that's why the church is not mentioned. Now, let me wrap up with you. What should we do next? You know, I normally don't preach messages like this on Sunday. I usually preach them on Wednesdays. You know, see, the people that come on Wednesday are much more serious. I believe that. So I, I don't usually preach messages like this on Sunday. And I've done that for the last 30 years of my ministry. But um, I really wrestled with this one. And I'm preaching through the Gospel of Mark. So when I came to the parable of the vineyard, I mean, I just, I normally just come to it and I teach on it. And it just was fitting that it happened today, right, July 3rd before July 4th. And I thought that that's what God wanted me to share. But in, in, in light of that, and it's, and it's very sobering, because I think, right, you just want to stick your head in the sand and say, make it all go away. Man, I don't care about my life right now. Lord could take me home today and I'll be good. I've been faithful to him, and if this is the end of my race, I can go to be with him. I've stayed on the straight and narrow path for 40 years, but I got kids, and I got grandkids, and I see the little kids here in this church, and I don't want to see them have to go through what is just continuing to happen in this country. So what should we do next? I want to give you a couple of key things. One is, be one of God's remnant. What is it? What is the, throughout the scriptures, there is a remnant that God has. Be a true believer. Be a follower of Jesus Christ. Be somebody who is, who is walking on the straight and narrow path towards that narrow door. Don't be a professing Christian. Be a possessing Christian. Don't be a fan of Jesus. Be a follower of Jesus. My teacher, Leonard Ravenhill, <laughs> he said, as he preached in evangelical churches across America, charismatic churches, Pentecostal churches, he said, I believe only about 4% of the people in the church are truly saved. I think it's higher than that. I think it might be more like 5 or 6%. I don't know how many people are saved. But it is just be one of God's remnant. Look at Isaiah chapter 10, 22. For though your people, O Israel, may be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant within them will return. 
A destruction is determined overflowing with righteousness. Be part of that remnant. Ask yourself this question. The important question this morning, are you a part of God's remnant? Are you a true believer? A true follower of Jesus? Second thing here. Join the Sons of Issachar Club. They're taking members. We're signing them up in the back right now. The sons of, what, what are the sons of, does anybody here, who, who knows about the sons of Issachar? Raise your hand. She's one, one, two. Isaiah, you know. First Chronicles chapter 12, 32. From the sons of Issachar, men who know how to, uh, how to interpret the signs of the times to determine what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their kinsmen under their command be a person who has discernment to interpret what's going on in the time that we're living in. Again, don't be like the majority who have their heads in the sand thinking it's all going to go away. It's not. Join the Sons of Issachar Club. Here's another. Take a stand. Take a stand. Don't you love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? We teach that to our kids in Daniel chapter 3, 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, right, he wanted them to bow down to his idol. O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold, uh, the gold image which you have set up. Even if we have to die, we're not bowing down to your gods. That's it, taking a stand. I want to give you a, a guy here who I, I, I really was impressed by when the athletes were all taking a knee to BLM. Jonathan Isaac Christian from the uh, Miami uh, Magic, or I'm sorry, Magic Play in Orlando, this, this kid refused. And he said, he said, I'm a Christian. I bow before no one but Jesus. I bow before no one. I, I will bow before no one but Jesus. You can beat me down. I'm not bowing before you. There's only one. That's taking a stand. I don't know if you've seen this kid. This kid plays for the uh, Celtics. Ian's Cantor. He's Muslim. There are about a hundred, I'm sorry, about a million Muslims who have been put into slavery in China for their faith. And, and this kid has stood up, and you know what? The NBA is in bed with the Chinese. You know, the NBA came out, and they were like, they were really big on, on rights in America. Meanwhile, a hundred or a million Muslims are in prison because of their faith. And this courageous young kid has come out and he's taken a stand against the NBA, threatening his career. But just taking a stand. If you stand for nothing, you will fall for everything. And people say, oh, pastor, pastor, this is a, I'm making waves this morning, right? I'm making waves. Pastor, don't make waves. Did Jesus make waves? No! He turned the damn boat over! Expose the darkness. 
in Ephesians chapter 5.11, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what Elijah did. That's what Daniel did. That's what John the Baptist did. That's what Jesus did. Expose the darkness. You ever hear of, of Alex de Tocqueville? He was a French philosopher who came and visited the United States about 150 years ago, and he said this, Not until I went into the churches of America and heard her pulpits flame with righteousness did I understand the greatness and genius of America. America is great, uh, America is great because America is good. If America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. What he heard at that time were preachers preaching righteousness, preaching justice, preaching the, the, the gospel. You know what, there's, there's an attempt in this country to silence the preaching of the word of God. You know, in, down in, um, I think, uh, the city, I think it was Augustine, Texas. In Augustine, Texas, the mayor and the council, where is it? Oh, it was in Austin, okay. In Austin, Texas, the mayor and the council basically attempted to have all the preachers submit their sermons a week in advance to see if there was anything there that they didn't like and they were going to, again, that's what they do in communist countries. That's what they did in Russia, in China, in Venezuela, in Cuba. This is, this is from 2018. The Democratic National Committee Chair Tom Perez complained that voters are influenced by what they hear in churches on Sunday. They want to silence the church. That's coming. That's coming. You need to expose the darkness and stand in the gap. God needs people right now who will stand in the gap. In Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. How many of you pray for a country each day? I pray every day for America. I pray for a president. I pray for the Congress. I pray for his cabinet. I pray for wisdom. I pray that they would turn to God in righteousness. I prayed for Trump and I prayed for, for his cabinet, though I didn't agree with everything that, 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 he would, that, that he would do. But how many of you are praying? Are you getting down on your knees and praying for the leaders of our country and praying for our country? Praying that our country would come to Repentance. Praying that our country would come for a revival. Praying that our country would have an awakening from the evil that they have so, so readily accepted as norm. So I started off the message from 2 Chronicles chapter 7, 13-14. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain, or commend locusts to devour the land, or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, here it is. If we will humble ourselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Don't wait for someone else to do it. Don't, don't wait for the politicians to do it. Don't, don't wait for the, the people in Hollywood to do it. Charles Finney, the great revivalist, said, You want to have a revival? Draw a circle, get down on your hands and knees, get in there and repent and turn away from your sins and turn to God and you will have a revival. And you'll come out of that circle as a bright light. You will come out of that circle as a burning bush and you can enlighten, and you can enlighten other people's lives. 
That's how revival starts. Amen? Amen. I pray that you take these words to heart. We're in a critical time, folks. It's a critical hour in America. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just commit, Lord God, this word to you. I know it's hard. I know, Lord God, sometimes your word, Lord God, it's bitter. But, Lord God, when we swallow it deep down into our stomach and assimilate it, it can become sweet to our lives. I pray for the healing of this land. I pray, Lord God, for revival. And I pray for the awakening, Lord God, of the bride of Christ in this country and the awakening of all people, Lord God. And I pray that everyone here, Lord God, who has grown complacent, who may have their head in the sand, Lord God, may they repent and change today. For we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Sam, why don't you come up and do communion today? morning church in 1st Corinthians 11 it says in the Word of God for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take this my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take and eat together. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood, body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So let's partake together in Jesus' name.
The altars are open for you if you'd like to come up, spend a little time praying with somebody alone, whatever it may be. Lord, you reign. You are king. Fix your eyes on Jesus. We've learned a lot today about the place where we are. Let not your heart go there, but fix the eyes of your heart on the Lord.
morning saints I was a sobering message this morning have you run into the arms of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning it says in the Word of God that you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven are you experiencing religion or are you born again filled with the Holy Spirit this morning wanting to live a life that brings honor and glory to God there's one thing you must know if you haven't been born again, it says in the Word of God, it says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means you, that means me, you, me, everybody in this planet that's been ever born is sinful and separated from God. Number two, you must know also that the wages of sin is death. There is no um, second chances, okay? When you are judged by God... <laughs> and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will experience eternity in hell. Number three, this is the greatest part of all. In Romans 5.8, it says, For God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us and for you. That's the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You must grab onto him this morning. If you don't know him, come running into his arms this morning. Come running to Christ this morning. Trust in him with all of your heart. Surrender to him. Totally. Say, Jesus, you are my Lord and King. And from now on, Lord, I want to be born again. I want that. If you go to him sincerely, you will be born again right now at this spot right now. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So if you don't know him, surrender yourself to him this morning. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this message, Father, that was so sobering, so shaking, Lord, to all of us here, Lord.
And we pray that we would live a life that is holy, that is obedient, and that it's walking hard after you, Lord, each and every day. We thank you and praise you, and we lift all these things up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Dismissed. Take care.